powered from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Red Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from down under outside Brisbane, Australia. It's episode 62 of the Primetime Jukebox. Tonight, we continue our look at the Rolling Stone Top 500 Songs of All Time as we hone in on number 350 to number 301. And as always, the Primetime Jukebox is sponsored by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary blend requires tobaccos that have been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo Anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigars is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo State Selection Vintage, the Perdomo Double-Aged 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Champagne, Perdomo Abano Bourbon Barrelage, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Omenso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the new Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And by Aganorsa Leaf. Great Leaf makes great cigars. Aganorsa Leaf stands out because of the distinctive flavor of our Corojo 99 and Criollo 98 seeds cultivated by Cuban agronomists in the best lands of La Pernesteli, Nicaragua. When you smoke one of our JFR, Jim Farr Lunatic, Guardian of Farmer Casa Fernandez Cigars, you experience the unique taste and aroma that makes Aganorsa Leaf special. Smoke one today and enjoy the signature flavor of Aganorsa Leafs. And I want to mention Jerry Tobacco. The authentic Corojo Leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of cigars of Cuba, it was a leaf choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it's one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamastron Valley in Honduras, Julio Arroyo took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds, and in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, who and his son Justo bring their very own brand to market, each containing the authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is a 100% authentic Corojo Puro, San Andreas Maduro, Ecuadorian Connecticut Shade, Abano or Cameroon wrapper representing the Golden Age of Scars from 1947 to 1961. Now available at your local retailer, be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every drawer. And finally, by Drew Estate. Drew Estate's about to make someone a whole lot richer. During its latest Freestyle Live show, the, the company announced it will hold a Bitcoin sweepstakes with numerous incredible prizes during upcoming Freestyle Live events, including a brand prize of one full Bitcoin for a lucky fan to be announced on the February 17, 2022 edition of Freestyle Live. Entry into the unheralded Bitcoin sweepstakes is simple. The company held three Freestyle Live event shows and selected the names of five people who attended that show and commented at specific times during each broadcast as potential winners of an assortment of fantastic prizes. These five winners have now been entered into a grand prize contestant pool of 15 people that will be eligible to win the grand prize Bitcoin. You can find more at www.drewestate.com or visit their Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Drew Estate. And as always, all the live streaming for the Primetime Networker shows, as well as the California studios for the Primetime show is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime Jukebox, episode 62. We are 
in a uh, second half of January here. This is Will Cooper. I'm on the red stage here in the Perdomo Cigar Studios, and I'm joined uh, on the other end of the world in another hemisphere by my friend and colleague, Mr. Dave Burke. Hello, Coop. How you doing? I'm doing really, really good. Um, we've had a very interesting week here, weather-wise. Um, yeah. We've had, a, we've had winter in the Carolinas. Um, I had some property, uh, you know, some ice and stuff on the property, caused some things to happen. But everyone's safe. No one got hurt. Uh, we had another little snow last night, which was actually one of those nice snows you get. It's like that beautiful. It was like a, it was like a two inch snow. It was it was fluffy. It wasn't like the ice we had early in the week. And the sun comes out in the morning and it melts most of it. So, um, you know, it was a, but it was a good week. Otherwise, except the Internet went up and down a few times during some shows this week because of the ice. So hopefully we're knock on wood as we're recording this. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Coop. <clears throat> I mean, this game will be over by the time the uh, the uh, show airs. But like uh, the playoffs have started. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In fact, right after this show's over, your team will be playing. Yes, we'll I'll be at my daughter's uh, basketball training. So I got so that. priorities at first. I agree. Yep. Uh, if I could check, I got the ESPN app on my phone. I just checked it to see the uh, Bengals game. You know, the Bengals have been, I tell you, they've been on fire, the Bengals. Um, and they're, you know, they're they're up as we speak, 6 nothing. That's early. 6 nothing. It's early. They're playing a good Titans team. Uh, those are two good teams playing uh, this today. Yeah, I'm very excited for the for the playoffs now. Do you do... Do you do uh, do you do a playoff show, Coop, or you Super Bowl? We're doing. We're going to try to do a Super Bowl show. Yeah, we, yeah, we got to try to do a Super Bowl show with Super Bowl music, one way or another. We'll we'll try to do it. We're trying to make some things work, but uh, we bring on. We do once a year, so right before the the the, the Super Bowl, uh, we do what's called the big game show. Uh, yeah. We bring John Carney in from Florida Minicana, um, and he's always done that show going back to stogie geeks with us so right uh, we recap the season and we preview the game and i don't know how well you know john first of all he's a fantastic guy the guy is a legit the guy could have been a legitimate sports sports announcer or sports journalist really he, he is really on the money on on predictions and stuff like he predicted before anyone else that cam newton was going to the patriots Ah, uh, he's predicted what was going to happen with Tom Brady, you know, with the, with the, with the Tampa. He is really um, he's on top he's of this. In. He's he's top, he's plugged in. And, uh, you know, so we do we do we talk a lot of football and then we always talk some more Florida Minicana because he's also very knowledgeable on the industry. Mm. Um, I don't know how his music knowledge is. That's a, that's a good one. I know he's, he's, he's knowledgeable on the, you know, he's very knowledgeable. You could talk beyond the Florida Minicana with him. He's very well aware of everything going on. Yeah, I, I don't get to talk much football up here, um, unfortunately. But, like, really quick, and then we'll get into the show. But, Coop, when, when are the Giants just going to hire Peterson? When are they just hire Doug Peterson? When does that happen? They're, they're messing around with Dan Quinn right now, right? And I, you know, <laughs> and I don't understand. Look, gonna... why was Dan Quinn the first guy you're requesting an interview with? Uh, I mean, the, you have Peterson out there and you have Harbaugh. These are two guys who I think are, you can get, right? You know, Harmar has not said he's staying at Michigan, and I think that's a big factor. Mm. But Peterson, in my opinion, he's a one of those guys I think are going to be the right coach. They have the right, like, mantra to deal with. You know, 
New York. Look, Peterson dealt with Philly. Like everyone laughed when Peterson went into Philly because he was a terrible quarterback with the Eagles, right? And he turned it around quickly. And, and unfortunately, I think he had there was I think some things did go wrong for him the last year, but I don't think he should have been fired from them either. No, well, this is my thing, and then we will we will leave it. But like one of the things, one of the things they're saying they got that um, Peterson was, I guess, fired around was around like, you know, the, the conflicts around having Wentz or not or playing him or not and all that sort of stuff. You see how Wentz has gone. Sure. Um, um, it is. He, uh, yeah. He, see, I think he'd be perfect for the Giants. I think he'd also be perfect for the Vikings because he took a backup level quarterback and managed to like beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl with him. Yeah. So yeah. He could take a quarterback that's underperforming and like make it happen. You know the problem with the Vikings is they never go for experienced coaches. The no. Denny Green was the only other one I can think of. They 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 bring in these other guys um and they it's always the same kind of coach they bring in. It's an assistant and and it and, and they never how can I put it they just never really have a track record of success with any of these guys. Um, so I, I think Peterson is like perfect with that offense and what he could do with Kirk cousins, the sky's the limit. I mean, it would be a great oh, yeah. hunter for them. I mean, um, do you think Peterson's going to be like, uh, um, Oh, what's his name? The ex, the old head coach of the, um, of the, uh, Ravens used to be with Billick? the, uh, Billick. Do you think yeah. it'll be another Billick? Like, what won a, won a Super Bowl, but then for some reason everybody wanted the new thing and then just didn't get hired. And I, I wonder if there's a little bit of that with it. I really do. Um, you know, and, you know, funny thing about Billick was when he went to the Ravens, he his offense wasn't that great. <laughs> he was the offensive no. guy. He came from the Vikings. It was his defense, but I think that showed a lot with him as a head coach. I think part of it with Billick was I think Billick was done coaching too. Uh, I think it was Hoppy going on to to the media piece, but he, it wasn't like people were banging on the door to talk to him. No, which I just so, don't understand how you could be a Super Bowl winning coach and no one. I think, yeah, <laughs> I I just think a lot of GMs are outsmarting themselves and they're trying to get like the hot new young guy and they don't. I I think there's a lot to say where like look, just because someone's created a good offense or a good defense doesn't mean they're gonna be a leader of men. Yes. Uh, and I think that's the part that gets lost. Like people, they fall in love with some of these assistants because they've had great success on offense and defense. But can they really lead men is the question. Um, and that's that's always the that's always, you know, that's that's always the challenge. Some of these guys do and some of them don't. don't. Mm. So I will see. Well, I mean, it's like uh, with your Giants, if you're talking to Quinn, I mean, if you're going to recycle an ex head coach, you might as well recycle one that won a Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, not one that yeah. blew the biggest lead in Super Bowl that's history. Right, that's right. You know, and I'm a little biased because when I when I you know used to do radio with Michael Turner, um, yeah. he played for the previous coach Mike Smith, who I think was a really good coach and did a lot for him. Yeah, and I think that Quinn inherited that Mike Smith, you know, a very good team from <sighs> Mike Smith. Man. So I mean, I, I got to give credit to the previous coach, I think, on that one because then the team just never. I mean, they spiraled after that Super Bowl loss. They never. I don't think they had a winning season no. after that. No, no, they they really did. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of Quinn. I think he gets like I think the thing is if you you know if you do well as an assistant, 
with the Cowboys because they're talking about that offensive coordinator. Yeah. Kellen Moore or whatever his name is for like, I think everything gets elevated if you do it with the Cowboys that, you know, overinflated. So I don't think, you know, I just, I I, I, I agree. I don't see it. Like, I I don't see it either. (laughs) You know, the Giants, another guy they're looking at is this guy, Brian Dable from the Bills, the offensive coordinator. But he has a lot of coordinator experience over the years. So, you know, he's leading like half the team, basically. And he's been doing it for a while. He's not my first choice over the guys I mentioned, but I can understand at least he's a guy who's been doing this for a while and, and mm. certainly is worthy of getting an opportunity. Because at some point, the assistant has to get the opportunity, right? So at least yeah. he's a guy I would say, all right, I can buy into that. Not my first choice. I'd rather have the guy who won the Super Bowl. But if you're not going to go that way or if someone else gets him, then Brian Dable is, is a decent option, I guess. Over oh, Dan. yeah. And Quinn is just... Uh... I mean... It's times like these where you look at teams like the Steelers and you're like, oh, why can't that be my team? You go from one coach that wins a Super Bowl, you just pick up another one, have him stay there for 20 years, win a Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but anyway, good football talk, Coop. Good. Yeah, football it's always good talking. Talk. Uh, good talking. If there's anything updated in this game, I know it's going to be over by the time people hear this, but I'll let you know. Well, good luck to uh, to the Giants. I hope you don't mess it up. They will. Um, They'll find a way. <laughs> the G- I think the GM, we'll see how the GM does. They hired the GM. Um, but the problem is all the candidates they were hiring were the same. They were kind of player personnel guys. But the Giants, yeah. now they elevate him to GM. He's got to fix a lot more things. I mean, he's got to fix scouting, the cap. So when you get elevated to GM, there's a lot more responsibility and yeah. I, but all the guys that were interviewing kind of had the same qualifications. So mm. uh, they were pretty good player personnel guys. So let's see what there wasn't like the super GM to hire this year. He's out there. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'd say, let's say we're going to bring back Pioli, but I don't think he wanted to come back. So. <sighs> now to the website coop. So yes, a couple, a couple things. So the uh, song lists, the oops, I missed series is almost done. Once it's done and I posted all of them, we'll have a link. In, I've made song lists, Spotify lists for both my songs of the year and for the oops list. So I'll put those. I'll send those to Coop once those probably be after the next show. Um, once they're all up, you can click on those and check out all the songs. And yep. I wanted to highlight the dedication show, Coop, which will be coming up at the end of March. Wow, it's coming right up already. Yeah, good point. So I like to highlight that, give people time to start thinking about it. So if you are unaware, for the last, well, since the Jukebox days, we um, we had a uh, dedication show that you Instead of dedication to a loved one that's passed away, it could be within the year. It could be later than that. Um, Traditionally, it all started when I did dedication to my dad and father-in-law that passed away. That would have been nearly, I think someone told me the other day. It was like six, seven years ago. So the show's been going on for a while. Yeah. Um, And I said, well, why don't I ask other people? So you write in a song dedication to, you know, a friend or family member that's passed away. Um, and then we re- we talk, we read them off. We read off the dedications on the show and talk about that and then make a song list with everybody's yeah. song. Yep. Um, and it's at the end of March. And how you do it is 
You can email a man to cigarjukebox at gmail.com. And the reason we do that is that there was a year where people were emailing him, posting him on Facebook, posting him on Twitter, and we were missing him because there are just yep. too many, yeah, too many uh, avenues. So if you just send him to cigarjukebox at gmail.com, then we could get him and collate them and uh, we'll talk about him. Uh, but it's a big show. I just like to some people look for like like look towards it uh, for the year to get their dedication in. So I just like to mention it and we'll be mentioning it like leading up, uh, leading up to the day. But it will be in March and we will smoke the uh, 2021 Las Calaveras. Yes, we will. As it's, uh, that's the only cigar we've smoked uh, for the history of this show. Um, so, yeah, we'll be doing that. Um, and um you know, thanks to John and everything. He's been supportive of us uh, using that cigar. And um, yeah, I have I, I have several this year, which is unfortunate. So, yeah, I think a there. lot do. That seems uh, the cigar industry, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then so, so we'll be, yeah, we'll be reaching out to some of our key friends in the cigar industry, mm-hmm. too, um, to kind of contribute. And it's optional, certainly. But, yeah, we'll be, oh, yeah. I, know, I know there's a few people I think that will have some, some dedications for sure this year. But yeah, if you do, if you do, you can send it through cigarjukebox at gmail.com. If you want to, some people like to get the last, the last cal and smoke it while they're listening to the show and their dedication. Um, if you do, I think, I know um, Cigar Hustler still has some. Yep. And Neptune, possibly. Yeah, I'll have to so, check Corona and see if they have some. I know, I know Hustler doesn't have all the sizes, but it does have some, so you can still order some and get it before the show because you still got a couple of, you still got about five weeks or so, six weeks, so you should be all right. Yeah. Um. Let me see real quick. I do see that I do. Yes, and Corona does have them as well. So you have plenty of options uh, to go to. Neptune, Corona, and of course, Hustler. I think... So the show is almost like mirrored the last Calaveras releases. Like we've both been going on for the same amount of time almost. Well, yeah, I think what happened is the last couple of years, they've, they've come out later in the year, though, because it's obviously yeah. some of the uh, supply chain issues. Because last year, the last Calaveras came out right before the trade show, I want to say. It was yes. much later last year. So it that's why we're April. doing. Yeah, we used to be able to do it the same year. Now, it's, yeah. well, now especially getting Dave's cigars, we have to use the previous years. Hey. That's all right. There's nothing wrong. I, I so yeah, I have uh I have mine and uh you know I know we've uh last year we did you know the year before. So yeah, it, it works out. It's you know the, it's a cigar, it's obviously we're smoking the Las Calaveras, which counts there. Hmm. Um and that's that's uh that's all for the the website because we got some some quick music news to go through. Yes. Yep. Um this one, Dave. Uh, this one came to as a shock to a lot of us. Um, mm. on, I was uh wrapping up uh the primetime show on Thursday night. Uh, I had what I do is my Thursday night routines after Aaron and I are done, we uh I handle I do the post processing and upload it right away, you know, before I go to sleep. And mm. I just was about I just had finished that and um was about to pack everything up, and then uh, I see the news uh, we lost meatloaf. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, 
so it was shocking. Um, I knew he had a few health issues, um, but nothing that I thought was putting him in. And they haven't released a cause of death. I mean, I knew he had some back issues and he was going through some back surgeries and going through pain with that. Um, but yeah, this one was a surprise. Uh, he died at age 74. Yeah, it was 74 mm. years old. He died. And, you know, what was really, and we'll kind of get into this for a second. Um, Jim Steinman, uh, he's very much linked to Jim Steinman. And because uh, Jim Steinman uh, did a lot of the songwriting and producing for him, particularly uh, with Bad at the Bad at Hell series. Um, and uh, Steinman had passed away earlier in 2021. So um, that was, um, you know, and that was kind of like those two guys were so joined at the hip, Dave. Um, Steinman did have more success with some other artists, right? But let's be right. I think Steinman's greatest success was with Meatloaf, and Meatloaf's greatest success was with Steinman. Um, and I just think that, like, it was like it was a perfect storm with these guys, right? In that, you know, Steinman loved writing those opera, those rock opera type songs. Meatloaf, who came from a music and acting background and Broadway background, he was in the Broadway version of Hair. He found in Meatloaf a guy who can, can, you know, basically be that voice for his music. Steinman, decent singer, but not a great singer, right? But, you know, but he found Meatloaf was the guy who could deliver it. And these guys, I mean, they, they go and do Bad Out of Hell, Dave. It's, it's the biggest, it's one of the biggest albums of all time. Uh, it's like a top 10 selling album of all time. And, you know, then they go do Bad Out of Hell 2, which, it didn't sell quite as much I and mean, it still sold like I think 13 to 15 million albums, which is, which is really good compared to like bad at hell one, which I think was over 40, which is something very hard to do. Right. So, and, and bad at hell two was, I think the more critically acclaimed album, actually it's got, it got meatloaf his Grammy, uh, you know, it was just really well done, but then, you know, these two guys, they, they were like, how can I put it? You ever watch I love Lucy and like Lucy and Ethel would bicker and Fred and, Oh yeah. It was kind of like them. They they bickered. They had their falling outs, um, but they always kind of found their way back together uh, each time. And uh, but, you know, when they fell out the first time, Meatloaf spiraled. Uh, he didn't recover well the first time when that happened. Uh, he started having some some drug problems. Um, he he had some I think he also had some physical problems. And then his sales just tanked. Right. Because he didn't have this Jim Steinman work. He was by the mid '80s, Dave. He was he was bankrupt. He was broke. He was done. And what he this is what he started doing. He started going on these the tours. He started playing the coffee houses, the colleges, these small venues, and people were like remembering the Bad Out of Hell music. Dead Ringer was a pretty good album. People were starting to get back into Meatloaf, and it kind of started building momentum where he was playing bigger, bigger uh, venues. Eventually, he reconciles with Steinman. They do Bad Out of Hell, too. It's one of the greatest comebacks, Dave, I think, in the music mm. history. Because Meatloaf was like, people laughing at Meatloaf by, like, 1985. Mm. And then he goes and does, and I, like I said, I think Bad Out of Hell, too, was the better album. But I recognize that Bad Out of Hell is, is, is a legendary album. So Meatloaf's gone. Uh, a lot of people had a lot. To, I mean, it was, I think, a death that hit some people hard. We talk about a lot of people past, but, you know, Meatloaf was one, I think, that transcended a lot of this show. Mm. Um, I pulled two songs from, uh, actually did I pull two or did I pull three? I pulled, 
You put two in. I put two in there, yeah. Um, I put Paradise by the Dashboard Light, which was his, that was the signature meatloaf song. Mm. Uh, if you, that's the song everyone knew. But I also picked the, the, I also picked the title track from that album, Bad Out of Hell. Right. It's a really good, it's a little more higher energy track. It's got a little more of that, uh, a little harder rock edge to it. I think it gets overshadowed by Paradise by the Dashboard Life and Two Out of Three in Bed, but, but, a but a great, you know, a great, worthy of a um a title song for an album maybe this is something we do look at album archaeology at some point with I, it's a, it's not a long album to go through all right but maybe it's something we do look at some point down the road of doing it because obviously this album sold over 40 million copies so people mm. people connected with it so meatloaf dead at age 74 um thank you meatloaf he gave me a lot of great music over my lifetime so yeah, and uh, I don't know, like I don't know if they've released cause of, of death yet. I mean, I know he had health concerns in the last like year, or so with COVID going around, you don't really know. Yeah, yeah, you don't. Wow. Um, he had basically had he put a post up back in November on his so he was pretty active on social media, and he kind of it was his words all the time, and he was talking about how he went through these four back surgeries. Um. And, and I haven't had back surgery, but I, I heard it's very excruciating to kind of recover from that. Mm. Um, so, you know, when you're 74, you're not in the yeah. best shape. Uh, no, it's it's. Um, but they're saying, I guess, the, some of the reports that the New York Post came out last night, they did say he had COVID. Right. OK. I don't know if that's been confirmed. So I want to be very clear with that. Um with that but they were saying he had covid uh and he was he was ill those last few days uh because apparently i guess they knew he was uh they knew he was going to um die and the family was around him so right well they had that um on the other end of the spectrum we got uh die pardon with a uh birthday Yes. Within the past week or so, we have uh, Die Pardon, who is now 76. His birthday is January 19th. Dolly. Dolly, yeah, January yeah. 19th. So I picked some songs for Dolly. Um, she's been doing a lot lately. You know, she helped fund uh, COVID. Uh, I think it was the Moderna vaccine. And then she's has this charity where she, you know, sends books to kids and she sent out like hundreds of thousands of books or whatever so she's still pretty active socially her music is still coming out uh <laughs> her christmas album wasn't the best i didn't think it was still... bad i know you didn't like it but i didn't think it was i didn't think it was bad uh, comparing it to the other wonderful stuff i i understand that yeah so but she still put out music um which is good so we got uh the songs i had is uh when someone I'm going, I went with a couple of deep cuts to start off with. When someone wants to leave, that's off of the Jolene record. It's a great song. Um, you're going to be sorry. That is off of like one of her early records, like you know when she first started. And then I guess not a deep cut that a lot of people know is the Harper Valley PTA. Yes, that's a tremendous song. Yeah, I mean, um, we think more of the Gene Knight version of that, but Dolly yeah. too. Yeah, Dolly too. It's important to know. So, yeah, so uh, happy birthday to Dolly. Yeah, she's the same age as my dad. A few months older. Oh, ah, yeah. I think she's the same age as my mom. 
Yeah. Uh, wow. So live it up, Dolly. Yeah. Um, developing palettes review of the week. Yes. Um, you want to talk a little about? I, I was going to talk about the uh, list, but if you want to talk about, you have the. But I didn't put no, a cigar in there. I just really didn't put a cigar in there. <laughs> oh, I just I just saw the list. The only thing about I watched their top twenty five, which is actually twenty six. They did a good job on that list this year. You got to give them credit. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was surprised, and they were surprised at the amount of TAA cigars on that list. They had three TAA cigars. I almost dropped dead. Was it three or two or three? Three. Because they three. had the the angels. The um. Which are, okay, I, uh, the angel. They had the Hoya. Hoya. And uh, they had a CLE, was it? Um, yes, the CLE. I was shocked. They were shocked. They even mentioned the show. Like, what's with all this TAA? I, I was shocked too. Um, they have been the they have been harder on the TAAs, and I've been harder on the TAA cigars. Which in general we have felt they have been awful. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so yeah, they uh I was, I was, um, there was a few surprises that, that I saw on there. Um, but yeah, it was a C, yeah, Celia was the third one. Um, I, but here's the thing. Uh, I wasn't totally surprised at their number one. Uh, but I didn't yeah. think it was going to be number one. Uh, I knew they, they did like the hyena from, from James Brown. They loved that. Yeah. They loved that cigar. Um, I knew that they liked the Aladino, uh, Lancero, both Lanceros they had on there. So I thought mm. that would be a major contender. And then the Cohiba Serie M, I think, did bad with one person on that list. Yeah, because a lot of them loved that cigar. Yeah, but I forget if I forget if it was Aaron who didn't like it. So, you know, they theirs is like a mini consensus. They yes. they, they do like a mini consensus among the team to determine uh, and it's just based on the highest scoring cigars they have. Mm. Uh but I thought it was a good list. I mean, I think it was a very good list they did this year. No, it's a great list. I uh, that hyena I have to track down. They love that cigar. I um, I but like I said, I was just surprised at all the TAA on there. I, I was um, too. Um, I was too. Um, but two of them I hadn't like. I haven't gone through the reviews yet for uh that Quattro Cinco, uh one. Um, so that was the one. I didn't think the CLE one was was worthy of being on the list. That's just my opinion. Mm. Uh, wasn't a bad cigar though. It was one of the be- it still was one of the better TAA cigars. Um, but I was really glad. You know which one I was really glad to see on there? The What's that? the EP Carrillo short run. That was a good cigar. Mm. The problem I had when my review, it, there was some construction issues. Otherwise, right. that would have probably been a higher score. But the, they're a lot more focused on flavor, and and they didn't have, like they don't discount construction. I don't want to say they don't, but they didn't have the construction issues like I had with that. Right. So. I mean, it seems like the TAA must have been like feast or famine. Like either it was on the list or it was terrible. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe that that's what it was too. Um, the, uh, you know, and the other thing that they do a little different than like a lot of other lists, they do put the shop exclusives on there. Yeah. So example, one of the cigars that's coming your way is the number two cigar of the year. So you have that Ooh. one. That's the one I pre-ordered. That I've been holding on. So. Uh, that's the one that's coming your way for sure. You have several of those coming. Oh, fabulous. Um, so yeah, so you have some of those for sure on that. And that was their number two on there. But uh, uh, Espinosa did great. Did you did you see they had three in the top 10? Yes. Yeah, 601 Black, 
Uh, the uh, that's a Garanga great cigar, by Azaleo. the way. Yeah, yep. Um, and the, the Warhead Seven. I mean, there were three really yes. good cigars they had in the, in the um in the top ten. So I think they did a good they did a good job on that. Um, yeah, that uh, no, it was a, it was an interesting list. I recommend people check it out. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, it's a it was it, it was uh I think it was pretty good. Um. Yeah, so I mean, check check out their list. Uh, you go. To, we'll have the link, of course, in the show notes. Uh, you go, but yeah, it's out there. Um, I think they, like I said, it was one of the better lists I thought this year. Mm. And their show is always entertaining. So oh, always entertaining. You catch that show as well. Um, so uh, they had the interesting thing. They had one other review I was going to mention. I just didn't put in the notes. The the uh, La Roma de Cuba, uh, Passion Corona Gorda. Yes. Um. And it was kind of like this was one of those where Seth liked it and everyone else was like, meh. Then Seth gave it like a seven. And everybody else gave it like a five. Yeah. And, and I'm just going to say this. this. That cigar reminds me of another cigar. The Las Marias by Crown Heads. Mm. It has a lot of similarities to it. You like that cigar. You like that I love the Las Marias. Um, now, when I got my La Roma de Cubas, I thought they were a little young. So I haven't right. reviewed it. But, so, but I smoked one right off the truck. Right. But that will be coming up for review. But yes, Seth liked it. The most of the other guys were like, meh. Yeah. The funny the funny thing was like all the reasons the other people didn't like it was like why Seth loved it. Right. <laughs> um is, so all their notes were the same. It was just that he loved those notes and the other people didn't. Yeah, exactly. Um and and you know, the thing is that I think uh Seth has been very hard on cigars coming out of my father the last few years. Yes. So for him to say that, but you know, for Uncle Seth, my father hater, um, he's not because he obviously said a lot with that cigar. Um, and I think there's been, I think my father, I've seen some much better releases coming out of that factory over the last couple. I think they were in a little bit of a slump for a while. I'm not going to deny that, but mm-hmm. I think they're coming out of that. Speaking of a slump, uh, what are you smoking? I am smoking a uh, Caldwell Long Live the King Petite Double Wide Short Short Churchill. Great cigar. Uh, and the reason for this is we did our Now or Never last show. And so this is my Now or Never. I want I want Caldwell to release some more Coraline stuff. Um, and I love Caldwell. And it's one of those brands that whenever they release a new Coraline cigar, I have to buy it to try it out because because um, I just think Robert's always trying something new and I got to see what it's like. Uh, so, no. So, you know, we gave him a bit of a hit doing an hour and ever. So now I'm giving him a bit of a bit of love featuring the uh, the long live the long live the king. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's one of his uh, epic uh, cigars. Uh, that blend was on a coupe list a few years ago. Yeah. So it's a very good cigar. Uh, and, it's, you know, it's that Dominican that old Dominican cigar he's done. Mm. So, uh, really good. And what do you got, Coop? Uh, so I, I picked a cigar that made the uh, Coop list at number 25. It's the, let's see if I can get it in there, the Protocol Elliot Ness Natural. Uh, yes, so, that's a very so good cigar. Everyone loves the Maduro. The Maduro mm. seemed to get a little more love. I think Aaron's the only one who, like me, we prefer the Natural. I'm not, I don't want to put words, but this, the Natural to me was, was a better cigar. And... Um, it's uh you know this is Elliot Ness. It's that Elliot Ness, you know uh, the the famous uh you know yes. fam- famous agent. Um, and they're paying homage to him, and they do these Lawman cigars, 
in a natural in a Maduro. So this is the, like I said, this is the natural. They just released uh, a third lawman uh, thing called Bass Reeves. Yes. Which, uh, I haven't smoked it yet, but I am in possession of the cigar. And they, the first one they did was Sir Robert Peel, who was the founder of the modern police force. Yeah. But great, this is a great cigar. Um, I think it was, uh, I like, see, this is the thing what I say about protocol cigars. Their core lines are great. Yeah. Their limiteds are hit or miss, more miss than hit. But even their best limited isn't as good as their worst core line. That's how good their mm. core line. I think their core line is so strong. They don't have a bad cigar in the core line. So that's, you know, it, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to do that. But, um, you know, so uh, I'm going to like this one up. I'm pretty excited. This one, okay, yeah, so. No, I had that and I had the Maduro. I, they're both excellent. The Maduro is good. The Maduro is really good. Too. The Maduro is really good. Oh, uh, that's a Nicaraguan broccoli they're using on that Maduro. Mm, I'm excited. I want to try that new one. The Bass Reef as well. Yeah, I smoked some pre-releases. I do have uh, I do have the final product now to smoke. So um, they that just got released. And as folks know, I'm a little slow getting to the newer releases sometimes. So I yeah, well, hey, you, you're a busy man, Coop. Um, <laughs> let's you kick know, it off. We're doing yeah. the Rolling Stone. Yeah, I'll, I'll let uh, Coop get his cigar started here. Go ahead. Um, we're doing the Rolling Stone. We're at three fifty to three hundred one, and it. But general thoughts, and I think we're going to run into this problem as we get closer to number one, Coop, is like, wow, it is getting stacked. I've had I've had a difficult time picking ones to knock off or not select. I've tried to to not select bands that I think might be on the list again. Some I know are going to be on the list again. Um, so they'll get another shot, but. Uh, really, really getting tight now. And also, Coop, I noticed in this one, Coop and I have been talking a lot about in the previous list, like, well, where's all the foundational people? Why is it? Why is Elvis not here? Why is this person not here? Like, where are, you know, are they going to leave them totally off? Uh, and this this block has a lot of foundational artists in here, a lot of rock dating back to like um, the 50s. Late 50, very early 60s. I mean, you, you even got some like John Coltrane on this list. So you have a lot of this is kind of a, a lot more foundational music in, in this block. Yep. Um, so and um and what some some bands are getting their second or third songs on here. So a lot of the songs that Coop and I are wondering, like when's this song gonna come up or starting to come up. Yep. Uh so we're, we're getting we're getting close to the to the finish here. And it's um, it's all come together. What did you think of this block, Coop? Um, agree with you on the foundational rock stuff, uh, for sure. Um, that, that's a definite good point. I thought this list, with the exception of one song that, like, I believe dropped pretty far, mm. it was um, there was less shock factor for me. Uh, like, why is this song here? Or, you know, why did this song? Why did this song go so high? Why did this song go so low? It wasn't a lot of that with that. And mm. if I looked at 301 to 350, it was pretty close. Okay. Yes. So, yeah, I can Monday morning quarterback and shift a few up or down, but but nothing major. I think they actually, with this one, they did a decent job with this with this set. As, and I think the competition is getting tougher right now. Mm. Um, because of that, because now you can at the same time, you can make that point that maybe, you know, you slide this one higher or lower. So there was mm. one song that was shocked that dropped on my on mine. And then there was a personal song of mine, which I thought got robbed. 
Okay, so yeah, yeah, and you you probably know which one that is, right? We'll, we'll, and we'll get to that, <laughs> yeah. right? So, um, but yeah, I um, I, you know, it was it was interesting. And also, just you know, I had a little trouble. I always try to find out where this was previously on the list. For some mm. reason, with these songs, I had more trouble finding. Difficult, that. yeah. So I don't know. There's a couple I know, but I don't have as much as of that as I did in in the past here right now. So uh, I didn't. I'm. I am not necessarily limiting it by artist to what I pick. I'm, if I like the song or if it's following up on something that I already put on, I'm going to mm. put it on again. Uh, if I know it's like Dave usually takes the first shot at this anyway, and I do a shot <laughs> independently, but there's certain songs I know that Dave's going to want to have. And there's certain songs I may want to have. So yeah, I, 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 leave, I, I try I to did, leave the uh, glaring ones alone. Right. The same thing. Yeah. And I, and I think for the most part, we haven't really overlapped. I got to be honest with you. I think, uh, all 10 were different this time for, for me. Mm. So when I had my 10, it was like, they're all different than Dave. So it, I think, you know, we think we, we, we kind of know how to read each other's minds on this too. <laughs> um, right. So yeah, it, you know, and I, I know like when we get to your first one, it was like, I wasn't even touching that one. <laughs> so, and no. I know Dave's going to be upset where it is. So. <laughs> well, there was one I was, I wasn't going to touch. Cause I'd be, Oh, I know Coop's going to have. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that's the first one. There was no way I was touching this one. So, well, let's, let's get into it. Yeah. Um, I kick it off with just with with let's go, let's just start with 350. Yeah, <laughs> which is uh, John Prine, Angel from Montgomery, which I think is way too low. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yes. Now, there is a bit I'll grant. See, this is interesting, and this is where we get to some of the tracks on here. So, like, I think it's way too low because the version I love is the duet with Bonnie Raitt. That's on the live. Album. Uh, yep which I think would be is like one of the top 20 songs, you know, recorded. Like, it's amazing. But they're, they're using the, the studio, like off of the studio record, not that live one. So it's sort of like, well, I mean, I still think it's too low, but that but but we're starting to get into an area where it's getting kind of important when, when we're saying tracks like it's I have to sort of differentiate track from performance. Well, like, I think that live performance is unbelievable, but, you know, I kind of have to think of it differently. Like, we're not look, we're looking at different performances here. Um, it's been covered a ton. Uh, I put on here, I wonder if this is what we put on with some of them. I wonder if there's going to be more Prine, because um, this is probably his most well-known song. I, I was wondering that, too, when I saw it at 350, if there's more Prine. It may, they may not be. The only other song I can think of, Coop, is uh, Paradise is another song that is really, really good. Um, that's the only other song I can think of if this song is a 350. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's happy to see it on there. It should have been higher. Uh, that's my sort of view on that one. Yeah. Um, very interesting one where that, where that came. Uh, I said the second I saw it at 350. And just, you know, Dave and I don't, we don't, uh, we try not to, we have, we did look at the top little list, right? Top like, but, but I didn't, we, we haven't gone through these other areas of the list. So we're going into this blind as we do these shows. Uh, like I said, we, it was hard not to look at the top of the list when this came out. But yeah. so, you know, hey, look, if I was looking for Angel, if I just say, where would Dave expect this song to lie? So, Dave, where should this song have been? If it was 350 was too low, where do you think it should have been realistically? I, I reckon it should have been top. 100 i think okay 
just because and the reason I say that is it's been so so this song was in like released on his debut record, but the song itself has been so influential to country music and folk music that I think it should have it should be in that top one hundred space. Yeah. Um yeah. I mean not three fifty, obviously, but Yep. No, I think uh, I figured that was where it would be. Um, ooh, let's get to your first one, Coop. Now, is yeah. this the second one? This is the second one from this artist or? I, you know, I don't think it was. <laughs> I was actually trying to double check that and I didn't see it from this artist beforehand. So um, and and uh, yeah, I went and looked before the show, but I know we talked about this uh, artist. Yeah, I might have talked about it. Yeah. Um, so the artist is Carol King. Mm. Uh, it's from the Tapestry album and it's called It's Too Late. At three forty-five, um, which is about where I would expect this song to have uh, come. Um, now, the thing is about this is it's very much tied to another song called "I Feel the Earth Move," mm. uh, and they were. And if you re- we talked about this on a previous show, they were both released on the same as an A and B side on a record. So you I mean you had two mm. like two the two maybe the two biggest songs arguably were on the same r- record which is unusual. And I think uh, the way they did it is Billboard took It's Too Late on it. Mm. But there's such different songs, okay? So I feel the Earth Move is a very female, sexually aggressive, driven Mm. song. This is about a breakup, but there's still a feminism theme in this song because it's really more from the woman breaking up here. and But there is a reconciliatory tone where she's trying not to... She's she's the one who did the breakup, but at the same time, she's like trying to be reconciling with this, trying to be peaceful about it. Um, so it's got a very different vibe than than I feel the earth move. But nonetheless, uh, it lands. And I think this is about where it belongs here. Um, mm. Again, I could have argued maybe it's three, three fifteen or something like that. Yeah, but I, but I was OK with where this stands um, because I don't like I said, I went and I thought the same thing as you, Dave, that I. I feel the Earth Move was on that other list, and and, it, and I went through those. I went through all the other ones, and I didn't see it. I mean, I've, uh, I've, uh, I think I have uh, done a bit of sleuthing and figured out what I think we're thinking about. Yes. Um, yeah. But uh, so I think we're because Carly Simon's "Your Survey" was at four ninety five. We both yeah, wanted. I think we were talking about, at, I, Yeah. We both wanted everyone at at Rolling Stone fired because that was just unbelievable unbelievable that it would be so low uh and, so I'm low. Not, and then it I'm got us biggest, talking yeah yeah i'm not the biggest carly simon fan by any means but that song is a great song mm. uh, and it got us sort of talking about carol king and wondering about well, where is she gonna be then and yeah yeah so the question is does i does i feel the earth move is this land somewhere else on the list i so again i kind of look at this does she get two songs on the list it's gonna be i, I think i think you could argue i feel the earth move certainly uh, should be on this list. It has to be. Like it has to be. Like I know a lot we're gonna higher. See, we're gonna see some. We're gonna see some some glaring uh omissions. Yeah. Um, on this, so, um, for sure. And you know, I'm also curious where Tapestry. I know they did a 500 album one. Mm, uh, because that should tapest- be very. That I would think I, that's. I know it's on the list, but I just don't know how yes. high it is. Yeah. So we, yeah. I mean, because tapestry is, um, 
yeah, like an incredible groundbreaking record. I would assume I would assume that that song is probably top 200, I would think. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would think so, too. I would think so, too. Hmm. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, that album, that was part of our 50, we would talk. I know we talked a lot about this during the 50 year show, the 1971 show. Yes. Yeah. No, it's good. I uh, no So uh, good pick by yep. you, Coop, at 345. Yep. Yep. Appreciate um, that. I am going to go in the 340s now. We're looking at the first. So we're looking yep. at we had Buddy Holly, I think, previously. Uh, and now we're getting into those more foundational members. So we have Chuck Berry with Promised Land. Now, this is a deep cut um, yep. from the notes is saying that he wrote the song in jail. He was in jail for taking a teenage girl across state lines. Yeah. Which he thought was a racially motivated. Uh, cr- like him getting imprisoned, really. He was racially motivated, uh, which kind of comes out in his lyrics. Because the song itself sort of outlines the bus boycott of the civil rights movement, like with the different cities he mentions. Um and I think Chuck Berry is more well known for his guitar and like what that did for music rather than having sort of socially activist songs uh, where this is sort of derived from that. Elvis covered this song. Um, there's an Elvis version of this song, oh. um, which I can't remember when that was released. But uh, but yeah, but um so Chuck Berry's foundational member. We're starting to get more foundational members in this in this block. And uh, this was a deep cut that I haven't wasn't totally familiar with. So it was it was a nice listen for me. And uh, and yeah, it's good to see Chuck Berry on. I mean, I think his other tracks that people know more of, like his more famous tracks are going to be top 100, I would think. Uh, top 150. So he'll we'll see him again. But uh, but yeah. Worth a mention. Yep. Uh, like I said, that's a that's you know. Did you think? Where did you think? How did you think that one kind of landed? I think that's think? okay. Yeah, I think it was okay. I had I had no problem with where it was. It certainly belongs on the list. I think because the other ones are going to go so high, I would imagine um, that this one that's fine. I mean, it's sort of an introduction into Chuck here. Yep. No, I think like I said, yeah, we, we were wondering when we were going to see a Chuck Chuck Berry song on this list. So. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, oh, I knew you were take this one, too. So I left it. <laughs> the next, like, five, really, I, I, I sort of. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. It was kind of funny. I, 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 it was funny. I had I had uh, there were a couple I had as backup. Uh, mm. And there was one backup that I know you're going to be talking about next. Uh, but um, th- my next one is a uh, number three forty three. Um, and folks, in case we didn't mention this, we, we're not going through every 50 songs, but we're picking 10 no. songs each. Uh, and, and then we'll kind of recap at the end. But uh, remember, 343, it's by the Doobie Brothers. Uh, this was probably the peak of their critical success um, in terms of being just embraced by the music uh, critics. Uh, and it was What a Fool Believes. Uh, I think it's about where it belongs on the list, too. Uh, I think 343, it's a fair placement on the list with it. Um, this song was, for folks, it was from the Minute by Minute album, which was the 1978-79 time frame it came out. And um, this is when Michael McDonald had 
pretty much replaced Tom Johnston as the lead vocalist of the Doobie Brothers. Uh, in fact, the Minute by Minute album, Tom Johnston wasn't on that one. Uh, and mm. people know that that Michael McDonald brought more of a, a soulful side, R&B side to the Doobie Brothers. Um, this one I always felt was a good fusion of old Doobie Brothers and new Doobie Brothers, though. Um, it, it, it like swept the Grammys when one record of the year, it won song of the year. And it, I think it was number one on the charts, but, and at the time when it was charting, this was like 79 mm. again, is the, the Doobie brothers style was a little on the outside because of the disco movement that was going on so heavily. Um, but I would say it's not my favorite Doobie brothers song. It's in my top five. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, like I said, this was a this really was at the peak of their success. And, you know, they actually after this is when Patrick Simmons left the band and they broke up and mm. then they made a comeback, a great comeback in 89. But it just wasn't commercially as successful as they were in the 70s. So um, I like this song. It's a good. It's a great song. It's a feel good song. About 343. I have no problem where they put it. What other what other doobies tracks do you think are going to be on here? Because they got to have more. Surely. Blackwater is probably the other one. Yes. I look at. So in Blackwater is freaking amazing. Uh, Take Me In Your Arms, I don't think we'll make it because that's a cover. I just don't yeah. think they'll get that one. That's one of my favorite ones that they do. But I think Blackwater, if Blackwater is not in the top 200, I'll be surprised. Mm, um, mm. I mean, I think maybe top 250. I think it belongs in the upper half of that list, though. Uh, mm, no, it's such an amazing good. song. Mm. Nice. Oh, love it. Now, this track, Coop, part of me was shocked that's on the list at all. I almost and, picked this one, but but, then, it, then, but it shocked me it was on the list. Yes. And, but then part of me is like, well, it belongs on the list. So I was shocked. It was the monkeys. I'm a believer at 341. Yeah. And I guess the reason well, we talked about this. We talked about if they were going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. And. And I think I think the reason I was shocked it was on the list is this is a TV show that only ran like, what, two seasons or something. Yep. But when you look at the amount of albums they sold and the impact that that like created band, for lack of a better term, made on music, it, it belongs on the list. Um, I was wondering if they'd make it. I don't see them making it again. I think this is it. Um, um Let's train to Clarksville. Maybe, but like Adrian I find Believer it hard would be the only two other monkeys on there. Yeah, I think it, maybe if they get one more, I'd be surprised. Um Daydream Believer is probably the other one I could see. But that's so a, this lo is a lot of competition. Yeah. So it's it, uh, anyway, I'm shocked that's on there. I'll be shocked if another one's on there, uh, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, this is written by Neil Diamond. Love Neil Diamond. Uh, I wonder, Coop, when Neil's going to hit because he's got to. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's got to be at least two songs of his on that. I, could, uh, mm. um, I think we'll uh, see him a couple times as a writer. With Sweet Caroline would be one. Uh, America would be the other one. I'm thinking of the two yep. that, could, that, that I watch. But I would have thought we'd seen those songs like, at least. Girl, you'll be a woman soon, maybe. Yeah, me, we, we should see him. I, I don't think he's going to have a top 100. Is what I'm saying. No, I think, though, like with this song, I think I'm going to see him multiple times as a writer. Now, as yeah. a performer, I don't know where he'll land, yeah. but we'll see him a lot of times as a writer just because, yeah. I mean, 
You had Red Red Wine. You had oh, yeah, this song. You, you had um, Girl Be a Woman Soon, which Urge Overkill did. A really great version of. So I think you'll see him a lot. I mean, same yeah. with Prince. You'll see him a lot as an artist and a writer. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's a great track. I love it. I was shocked it was on there. I can't complain of where where it is because I'm surprised it's on at all. Well, so, two, yeah, I, like I said, I wouldn't have put it much higher. Uh, not no. that it's a bad song or anything. I just I don't know how much higher I would have put it. Yeah. With the competition that's out there. But no, that's a good. That's a fun surprise to see that on there. Yeah. Yep. Well, speaking of Prince, you were taught you've been talking about this song a lot, I think. So we had this discussion. I believe it was when Little Lord Corvette made the list. Uh, and I said overrated Prince song. I kind of yeah, you know, yeah, I kind of said lost it. I, yeah. And I said, well, if you're going to put this one on there, 1999 has to be higher. Well, yep. it, it comes in higher. Here it, it is. Came in at th- it came in at 339. Um, so I think placing this ahead of Little Red Corvette is the big one. Now, the question is, how many does Prince get on this list? He's got two now. you mm. got to think there's going to be three singles from Purple Rain that make it. Uh, yeah. So the, I think five's the number I'm looking at with Prince right now. Um, but um, I thought it was a little low. Um, mm, I was like wondering a, about that. A little low. Um, maybe this was one I would put, you know, you want to put in the 251 to 300 range. I'm okay with it. Uh, it, it's a great track. I again, I always, I typically like the longer album cuts. And on the 1999, there's a, it's most of the, most of the singles you've heard on the radio is a, is a radio edit. It's a longer song. Uh, they edit out the last part of the song, which I think is really cool. It's the talk with a uh, talk about mommy. Why does everybody have a bomb? Uh, yeah. Kind of, you don't hear that on the radio. The thing about this song, which I think is really uh, great is Prince doesn't get a lot of credit for his duets. Uh, and he's a great duet artist. Um, and the, the lead vocals are shared with Des Dickerson, who was a member of, of the revolution. Um, he had left before Purple Rain. I think he uh, he was probably the most talented of the revolution. He had a great voice. And Prince and Des Dickerson trading vocals on this thing is amazing. Um, and, uh, it, it's, it's why I just, I mean, I love this song. Um, little, like I said, I can say it's a little low, but, uh, nonetheless, I, I, I'm happy it was ahead of little red Corvette. Yeah. I was, I was very excited to see this song on here. Cause I know Coop has been mentioning it a lot. So I was happy yeah. to get that yeah. on there. Um, yeah, yeah. I could work through 39, but yeah, I would have liked to see a little higher. Yeah. Prince is going to be all over this. I, I'm thinking, this, you know, you got to figure let's, let's go crazy when does cry and purple rain around. I mean, when Doves Cry is going to be a top 100 song, surely. Purple Rain could be, too, yeah. Yeah. I can see Let's Go Crazy a little lower, but I've seen... Mm. I don't know if I'll have anything else. The only other one I'm thinking is maybe Kiss. Um, mm. but, but, you know, I don't think there's going to be anything else beyond that. But I'm going to say he's going to get five, five total on this list. Oh, I think he'll have a lot, yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of someone who's had multiple entries on the list, they came in a little bit higher at 344th Iron Man, but the track I chose is Black Sabbath Paranoid at 338. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't want to do Iron Man because I think Paranoid is a more influential song. I agree. Iron Man's um, a great track, though. It's a great track. Uh, I love this track. I think it should have been higher. Uh, I think this is sort of the theme of rock kind of getting lower. Um, this is like your proto-metal band. Um I think it has some of the best opening guitar riffs in a rock song ever. 
like the opening guitar riff in this song is just incredible. Um, it has that classic 70s Black Sabbath fuzzy guitar that they're really known for, that the 70s is really known for, really. Um, it was controversial at the time because even though they don't talk about suicide outright, it has very dark pro-suicide tones in it, which Ozzy later in interviews, I think, disputed that and said, like, oh, no, it wasn't about that, you know. But it's kind of hard to deny because the singer, he's talking about feeling hopeless and, like, <laughs> terrible all the time. Uh, so uh, I think it should have been higher just because it is such an influential band when we're looking at metal and stuff. Um, since Iron Man was 344 and this was 338, I mean, they might get one more track in there, but those are both pretty big tracks from them. Yep. So I don't know. This is one that uh, fell. This is one that fell too. Uh, it was a, in 2004, it was at 250. Oh, this man. Was, this is one I was able to determine that fell. See, 250, I could see that. Three th- the 330s, like that's a bit a bit low, I think. But uh but yeah, but it's a great song, it's highly influential. It'd be interesting to see if they get another track on here. They got two tracks of this block. Uh so it kind of shows where they see rock headed in this list, but uh we'll see how we go. See if we get another on here. I don't know. I mean, Ozzy might get one, one or two. So he might get one. He might get this for Black Sabbath. You might see some stuff from him, his solo stuff. I'm uh, thinking maybe he gets one song, Ozzy. Crazy Train, maybe? Crazy Train, maybe, yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, but it, it's uh, it's a good track. Uh, uh, that's where I had it. Yeah. Good job. That was a good job on that one. Um, so get a little metal on there for yeah. the show. Um. All right, Here my next one uh, is at 336. Uh, this is the first time I think we've seen this artist on the uh, top 500. Yes. Uh, it's uh, Hall and Oates, Daryl Hall and John mm. Oates. Uh, she's gone. Um, you know what's funny about this song? Um, when I started getting, and I am a, I am a Hall and Oates fan. Uh, I really, mm. we haven't talked a lot of Hall and Oates on this show at all. No. And I, I am really a fan. I actually, uh, I actually, uh, one of my first dates with my wife was uh, to a Hall & Oates concert. Oh, there you go. We went to the Big Band Boom concert, uh, which was a big hit album in 85, right? Uh, and it was a great, great show. Nassau Coliseum. So, and they were an unbelievable live band. I've seen them four times. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, but She's Gone is one of their earlier songs. And I think it gets... I think it kind of gets a little lost how good this song is. Um, it's got that, you know, Philadelphia sound, that R&B sound to it. Um, there's great, great lyrics in this song. I mean, uh, I love, I love the, 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 the line. I love the, the line. I love this is think I'll send eternity in the city. Let the carbon in let the carbon end at monoxide choke my thoughts away. I just love that. Right. Mm. And then you have that, like, at the, it's kind of like this smooth, soft, mellow. And then yeah. you kind of have that tempo where it picks up. I'm like, this is a really, really good song. Um, and in a way, I think there'll be more Hall and Oates songs. Yes. And when I look back at this, I think it was a little low. Mm. Um, not terribly low, but, but I think it was a little low. I definitely think there's going to be more Hall and Oates. 
on it. Uh, I like. I don't think the song will be on here, but I like the song Philadelphia is one of my favorite Hollywood yep. songs. Well, I mean, um, they're, Phil, they're Philly band. That's how they are. You know, yeah. they met at a battle of the bands is what their their story is. But I, I see some more on there. I mean, at least one more anyway. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a bit. I mean, my favorite track of theirs is uh, what do you call? It? I'm a big. I'm a big. I'm a big man eater. Manny, mm. I don't know if Manny is going to make it though. Uh, oh. Kiss on my list is another one. Yes. Yeah. Private eyes. Private eyes is just. Oh, that's got to be up there. Yeah. Private eyes is yeah. So, um, method of modern love is not going to make it. I but I love that song too. But uh, but mm. yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say they got robbed here or anything like that. But but it's a good it's a good song. Uh, good I, song. I wrote on here about where it belongs on the list. But I guess after I was thinking about it. You know, it's going to depend. I'll, I'll see if anything else comes from Hall and Oates. That's going to be my questions. And maybe I'll reserve judgment where that is. Mm. It'll be an interesting thing to track. Yeah. One other point about this song. This was actually a 73 release, but it didn't do well. And it was re-released in 76 when they started to get a little momentum. And that's when the song like struck, ah. struck hold them. Yeah. But that's why I said it's one of the earliest songs they did. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Uh. Now, this artist, she may be on again, probably will be. I don't know, solo wise, but maybe in her her duet work. And I'm talking of Cher. Uh, she might be on some might be some Sunny and Cher stuff, probably maybe a track. I got you, baby. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I would think. Uh, I don't know. This for me is probably her biggest solo song. Like, I know she had a huge solo career. Uh, the track is Believe, which is at 337. Uh, amazing track of empowerment and strength. I really like this track. She was like 52 when this track came out. Which yeah. Is crazy. Yeah. Um, great dance track. Uh, really has really been embraced by the LGBTIQA plus community. They really embraced this track. I think it's because it's of the empowerment and strength and it was played in a lot of clubs and it's really been like a track that a lot of people have latched on yeah, to. And I think the Chaz, Chaz Chastity Bono thing plays into that yeah. because she's very supportive of, uh, I could yeah. say Chaz now. Yeah. So I, and I think that played a lot into it too, but I mean, yeah. But for me, where the song really is important is in the production. So this is the first real mainstream song that ramped up that auto tune sort of robot voice uh, that she did on the chorus and it has now like overtaken pop music like who would have known at the time that Cher would usher in a major like hip hop movement with this song right like the whole the whole auto tune it's now in pop everywhere yep. hip hop's done a lot of stuff with it Kanye West did a whole album 808 and Heartbreaks with it um, and I think it, like for like production wise, like not just the song itself, but if you look at the production, like that move in, in itself makes it a very important song. When I saw this song on the list, I was mm. surprised that I even made the list. Um, not a knock on the song. I was just surprised. But some of the things you point out and I actually went back and listened to it. And, I, you know, when you wrote the note about the auto tune, I'm like, wow. I mean, there's some things that you see. And I'm like, OK, I could see where they went with this song and about all right, I'm OK where, where it was. Um, yeah. but I wasn't expecting to see this song on the list. I got to be honest with you. This one kind of was one. But I had to think about it a bit. And 
I'm, like I said, it's not. It's just, it's everything you said is, is totally accurate. It's not that I hate the song or anything. Mm. I just didn't see this one coming. To be honest with you, I knew it was gonna be on the list somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I think here. I mean, it could have even gone one block higher, and that would have been fine. But I think around here is good for this track. Great track. Uh, it's it's just like I said, it's one of her. Uh, it's probably one of her more underrated tracks in a lot of ways. Mm. I think it did go very high on the charts, though. Set, yeah, it was. I like the track a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now you, Coop. We're going to see a lot more from this artist as well. But this yeah. is a pretty. Iconic was this song the first you... time he was on here? I don't think so. I think he had one other one. Uh, okay. Yeah, uh, I'd have to look at our show notes. Yeah. Okay, but here's the deal. Scenes from Italian Restaurant, number three twenty four by Billy Joel. I I thought this one was low for sure. Um, I didn't. Um, this is just. This is just probably one of his Mount Rushmore songs, if you think mm. about it, right? So if we ever did Billy Joel Mount Rushmore songs, right? I think this song goes on there. I don't think there's any question it goes on yeah. there, right? Um, and what I love about this song is it's a five-act song. There's five parts to this song. It's five. It's a mashup of five parts. There's the introduction, you know, bottle of red, bottle of wine. Then there's this, like, what I what I – saw written about they call it the dixieland jazz piece right like mm. things are okay with me these days got a good you know so there's that second part then there's another piano solo which is the third part then there's the the great part the the song that was the foundation of it is the ballad of brenda and eddie mm. um and that's just you know the whole brenda and eddie are kind of the synonymous characters with billy joel and then there's a closing kind of soft end again uh, it's an absolute brilliant song. It stood the test of time. People love this song. I was when I think about it, this one was one that was lower than it should have been. Um, and it's, I'm kind of wondering if Billy Joel is going to come out on the short end of this list now. Yeah, um, maybe, maybe I can I mean, see that. I mean, it's going to be tough. I mean, there's another song of his that I thought would have been here at this point, and it was "We Didn't Start the Fire." I was thinking of that track. That's where I would think that's higher. Yeah, or do you think that's not on the list at all? I'm wondering if it's not on the list at all. That song was so huge, though, at the time. It was, and it just something. He had some critics of that song, Hmm. Um, but I think you know it was a number one song. It was so unique when it was um, when it was done. Um, And then you you have some other songs of his. You know, uh, I mean, I mean, I put if I did Mount Rushmore, Vienna's on there. Yep. Uh, you know, my life. Uh, yes. So, Uptown girl, where does that go? Uptown, you know, I, I bet you, I, I just wonder. Too Uptown, poppy. <sighs> Uptown, I think it misses. Oh, that, oh, that, that album, that 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 album, uh, an innocent man was panned by a lot of critics. That yeah, album. well, yeah, and it was a great album. That whole fifties thing. I just did a little search of our notes. I didn't see Billy Joel come up on here. Ooh, he came up on the letter B show. I know he came, but so I think this. I'll have to double check to see if this was the first time he came up on here or not. But and we should remember this. But there's so many songs we're remembering, so guys. Songs. Bear with us here. Um, but yeah, um, I love. I mean, this track. Who doesn't love this track? If you love Billy Joel, if you don't like yeah. Billy Joel, you don't like this track. So yeah, I mean, yeah, 
I, I would think. Do you think Piano Man's going to be his highest? I would think. I would think. I mean, Piano That's got to be a top one hundred song, surely. Yeah, I mean, it was such an early. I wonder if he gets hit because it was such an early song, though. But yeah, Piano Man is probably the other one I would put. You know, you, you know, I know mm. Vienna. Vienna might. Vienna is not going to make the list, and I like Vienna, no. but I don't think it makes the list. Uh, you know, but uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh where he where he kind of peaks if he peaks mm. at all. But like I said, I look at this one and I was a little surprised. If I'm again just wondering how well he's going to do on this list. Yeah, I was surprised it was where yeah. it was as well. Yeah. Um, a song that I thought would have been a bit higher. Uh, but I love the track. It's Rihanna featuring Jay with Umbrella. Uh huh. Jay Z and Rihanna. I talked about Rihanna, my now or never, hoping she gets a new record out. This is yeah. why this is a perfect pop track, in my opinion. It's catchy. It's upbeat. Her vocal on it is amazing. Um, it's just a great track. It's like like I said, it's, all, it's almost like a perfect pop track. Uh, I know it's like just destroyed music. It's like, you know, been downloaded like hundreds of millions of times. Um, I love I love the song. If you haven't seen it, go to check out Tom Holland uh, lip syncing it on the lip sync battle. It's amazing. Lip sync battle is cool, isn't it? You got to check it out. Yeah. Tom Holland lip syncing it. My new goal is to become Tom Holland. Um, it's great. I think it should have been higher. I've seen your notes that it's actually gone up. Yeah, it did go up. From um, which is interesting. Down 10. Um. Uh, it's Would, such a great track. Does SOS make this list? I see. Now this is the thing. I was yeah. thinking about this. This is probably her most well-known song. However, her latest album. So this is sort of early on. Her later albums have done really well. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see her one more time higher. Yeah, I think so. I thought SOS was before this. I may be wrong, but that no, would be the other- it might. It might be. I mean, I think her other. So I'm thinking of like, was it like, was it Exile? What's the other one? Anyway, her like her latest albums have done really well. So I think you might get another a newer track. Higher. Yeah. SOS might be. Yeah. Maybe I'm okay with where this place. Yeah. I mean, I think it should have been higher, but I mean, I'm saying this not knowing what the other tracks are. So maybe I look at the other tracks. I'm like, well. But it's a it's just such a great pop track. I yeah. love this song. Yep. Yeah, I agree. All oh, right. this is a uh what's uh is it is it um I know Hector will like this. Is it is it uh is it Sensei that thinks this band's overrated or is it Robbie? No, Which it's one? I think it's both of those guys. <laughs> both of them. Yeah, I think it was both those guys. Well they'll both be upset with where this is, and you and Hector might think it should go higher. Yeah, I'm actually okay where it was. Uh, this one, um, three twenty one. Uh, you two. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Great song. Um, yeah, this was off the uh, Joshua Tree album. It was the uh, it was the second single released with or without you. Was first. This was second. It's a really good song. Uh, is it my favorite U two song? No. Um, it's a little over. I think it suffered from a lot of overplay on the radio. Um, yes. But you know. Again, I think this is U2 certainly I'm not going to argue that U2 comes in at 321 with, with a monster song like this. Uh, I think this did a lot to bring U2 from being like U2 is like 
you know, when we did the Unforgettable Fire album, they were very much an underground band still at that point. Yes, I would agree with that. Then Live Aid happens and they start to climb out of it. This was kind of complete, completed the transition for them as becoming world superstar band. I mean, at this point, when this song came out, I think it put them on the map. Uh, Sure. They were no longer the best kept secret. No, I mean, you look at this album and then their follow up, Octune Baby. Yep. Like they were they, they turned from indie really to like you know arena bands yeah yeah i actually they, they did they did they did um but i think the gospel version on rattle and hum blows away the, the original mm-hmm. uh, i i i know people don't like rattle and hum um uh, my wife is famous for singing in the movie theater coming out and we saw it i, I saw it, it twice thank you very much in the movie theater thank you my wife said i don't get it what you know, that's what we said. We, we were triple. We were on a triple date that night. Uh, we were dating. So it was me, my friends, uh, Pete and my late friend, Steve. We each had our girlfriends with us and the, the girls hated it. And we were like, this is wonderful. Like, we're just blown away. We're, we're, we're in tears after this movie. And they're, they're out. It's like my wife's famous words. I don't get this. <laughs> so I, I can't. Uh, but 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 man, that gospel version, it just it melts me. That gospel version. I, yeah. I it's Something about how that was performed. I don't think the gospel version is what Rolling Stone put on this list, though. But, but no. that ride on Humber, it's just beautiful. It's just big, perfect fusion of gospel and, and pop music. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Coop. Um, I'll be interested to see what else charts. I'll be interested to see I th- what albums chart the highest. I think Octune Baby might, or Octune Baby might chart the highest. Maybe how to dismantle a, a, an atomic bomb shouldn't be disputed either. That was a monster album for them. Yeah, I just. And then you have like their pop stuff. I don't know. I mean. I'm more of like I'm more of Octune Baby and earlier. I'm not much into YouTube post Octune Baby, but um, I think they'll have a lot of songs on this list, though. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, good. Good pick. Yep. Good track. Yep. No, it's uh, like I said, I think Hector would have wanted it higher. I think he would have. I think he would have wanted you know, Hector is a U2 expert and, uh, you know, um, you know, but uh, U2 was unceremoniously bounced in the second round of Battle of the Bands. Bounce. We got to talk about all the bands. Yeah. Yeah. We got some stuff planned for that. So I'm excited. U2 seems to be very divisive. It's like either you love them or you hate them. It seems it, it, it seems like that, but it seems like there's been more of this backlash on you two in the last 10 years. Like, uh, I don't yeah. Really, yeah. It started a little with the pop album, which I think that yes. was unfair. But man, in the 80s, we you two was like, oh, the edge. I mean, we're talking the edge here. I mean, the, who edge, doesn't man. Love the edge, who doesn't love the edge? I love the edge. Yeah. Yeah. There's a series where it's the edge, Jimmy Page. And. Jack White, yeah, and they all have their guitars and they're talking guitars, just playing riffs, yeah. and it is incredible. You two with Fergie and Mick Jagger doing um, "Give Me Shelter" at the mm. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, one of the greatest collaborations ever. The Edge Man, yeah, and the Edge, and Fergie's like kind of, it's kind of Fer- Fergie's kind of. Oh, she the off. Mary Clayton sort of, yeah. yeah. But she's like kind of like flirting with the edge in that song. It's, and edge is just oh, all edge. business. Like edge, don't, edge was like, I think he was digging it, but you know, he's just focused on playing his guitar. Yeah. You know, it's not, oh, love but the it edge. was, yeah, I love the edge. The edge is awesome. 
Um, my next track party. is I like the party with the edge. <laughs> oh, you should. I think you should. He'll party with you. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead, Dave. I'm um, sorry. That's fine. Uh, Notorious B.I.G. with Big Papa came came in at three thirty. Um, Tupac with uh, California Love came in at three twenty. I mean, you know, there's the obvious West Coast East Coast thing um, with both of them getting killed. Which is, you know, hard to dispute. And there's a there's um some podcast series on that which are very interesting. Um, I guess focusing on more of the the hip hop and less of the sort of um outside of music, like the, the the shootings and things. Yeah. Um, is that I think both of those people really ushered in this like new slick produced form of hip hop. In the in the late '80s, early '90s, that like uh, P Daddy'll do, like you know, that sort of Dr. Dre ushers in as well. That Snoop Dogg ushers in as well. It's sort of a movement from, it's 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 sort of a different take on like the harder edge gangster rap, and kind of a more slick produced, sort of jazz influenced, dub influenced sort of hip hop that'll boom in the '90s. Um, cause if you listen to these tracks, they're very, they're very well produced. The, pr- the production levels are very slick as opposed to like NWA, which I think is going to chart really high, uh, which was like really like your punk rock of hip hop. Like it was really hard edged, um, really raw production values. This gets into more like a slick sort of produced vibe, which Dr. Dre ushers in with all of his production work. He's a great producer. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so it's not my favorite Biggie track. Like, there's other tracks of his I really like, but it's an iconic track, so I chose it. Um, like I said, Tupac is also on this this block, and both of them sort of usher in this sort of... I mean, Tupac, you could say, like, Notorious is where yeah. more your East Coast, and Tupac's ushering in the West Coast, Coast. and they really, both of them together, bring about yeah. this East Coast, West Coast. But, yeah, um, yeah. so it's a big track. Uh, it was hard to pick between the two, so um, I went with that one. Yeah, and I think it was a little lower than I thought it was going to land, too. I agree with you mm-hmm. on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he'll have another song on here for sure. Yes. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, you, you, I think you nailed it with that. Uh, yeah, the B.I.G. makes it. Um, I mean, if you think, if you look at B.I.G. Agree, it's Notorious, not my favorite. It's not my favorite. I agree with you on that one, yeah. But if you look at Notorious and you look at Jay-Z, like, I mean, a lot of what Jay-Z is doing is sort of built upon that sort of sound that Biggie was bringing that like really slick. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was sound. He Jay-Z sort of how, takes how that li- over. Had he lived? I mean, wow. I just, mm. just think, well, both how, of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but impact wise, you know, this list is a lot about impact and I think it's important. And the points you made are very important. Why this is an impact song on it. Maybe it's not my speak, favorite, like you said, but, no. but the impact's there. Speaking of impact, Coop, I knew you were going to pick this one. I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on on this track that you have. Yes. Coming in at number 319. um, Tears for Fears. Everybody wants to rule the world. Um, It's top 10 in my book. This should be Mm -hmm. top. But I know it's not top 10 for Rolling Stone, but it was low. This was the one. Mm -hmm. How does this go all the way down to 319? I don't know. But again, I am a big Tears for Fears fan. This is the signature song. I, I, 
look, you I, you seen the you know I, I had the dinner with Kurt Smith back in the nineties, right? Through a Tears mm-hmm. for Fears fan club, right? And I got to meet Kurt Smith. There's a picture with me in the beard and my wife and Kurt <laughs> Smith. It's on my Facebook page somehow. If I can find it, I'll put it back up. Um, so we really did meet Kurt. I sat with Kurt and talked to him for about 20 minutes with this song. And it was me just mm. talking and him listening, right? But, <laughs> but he was very appreciative. Like, he said to me, like I said, I, I, I just said, he signed my CD, my, my uh, Songs from the Big Chair CD. And he said, what's your favorite track off that? And I said, I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's Everybody Wants a Rule. And he says, that makes me feel real good. Tell me why mm. you like it. And it was a lot of, you know, a lot of what I talked to him about were the lyrics I just thought were incredible. Um, mm. You know, the vocals and, and the music are great, but, but the lyrics deal with corruption. They talk about uh, the role of the media uh, mm. at the time and how the media feeds into corrupt, corruption. Uh, and, you know, the corruption thing was a, was a big part about this. And, and just this, it, it's, the song catches on. I remember when I first heard it, I was like, this is okay. And then, you know, it's one of those things you play it over. I'm like, this is really good, right? Um, and um, I, like I said, Kurt, this is one of, I would say Kurt only does about 25% of the vocals, lead vocals on, on Tears for Fears. This yes. is Kurt Smith's baby. And this is his, uh, he, he loves doing this song. I love the music video in the mm. desert. Uh, the Austin Healy, I fell in love with him driving the Austin Healy car. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's uh the the desert scene a film is somewhere I think out in San Bernardino County California, um and I, I think the rest stop is still there from what I was able to find, uh when I was doing some googling um a few years ago I wanted to try to get out there, um mm. I just couldn't get out there time wise but I was trying to find if the rest stop is still out there. Oh so. I mean, yeah, this is just, it's one of my favorite songs. There's some great covers of this song that's been done over the mm-hmm. years as well. This may be it, though, for Tears for Fears on the list. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Where, where do you think Shout and Mad World, do you think Mad World makes it? Because that's a great song. See, Mad World, I think, now has an outside shot of making it because it got the boost with Gary Jules. And I wonder yeah. if they give it to Gary Jules. Tears for Fears embraced the, the Gary Jules. They loved the cover of the Gary Jules version. God, that song is so good. They, they did. Now, I like the original one better, but that's just because I'm a fan of Tears for Fears. But, but a very good, you know, that won the uh, Christmas number one, the, the Gary Jules version. Yeah. So maybe we've got a, got, a, got a boost with that. But it really, it wasn't, you know, when that song came out, no one really knew who Tears for Fears were at the time. That was yes. from the Hurting album. Um, the only other one I could think of is Shout. Yeah. The Shout, when Shout came out, it was a monster. It was it like, was. but it peaked quickly and kind of fell down quickly. Everybody mm-hmm. went to it seemed like it sustained the chart positions a lot more and more radio airplay with it. But shout is absolutely something that I don't know much higher it would be though. I don't see them putting that in the top two fifty. I think Mad World gets it. I think they can get in with Mad World. I think. That's going to be interesting to see where if Mad World gets on this list or not. With either Tears for Fears or Gary Jules. So. Um, you know, like I said, this one, it's top 10 for me. Yeah, it's not, oh, yeah. I understand this is not going to be top 10 for Rolling Stone. I understand that part. It's just there's a personal connection that just this song has always resonated with me. No, it's a great song. Yeah, but I would say if, I think it would have been fair to put this in the top uh, 200, 150. Yeah. Yeah. 319, that was a little bit of an insult, guys. Mm. You could do better. Now, this one I found very interesting with your note. Uh, so we talked about this band 
because uh, the the because one of the uh, there was a Don passed away this year. Yes, Don. And, and yep. we talked about the band then. The Everly Brothers, probably their well known track is "All I Have to Do Is Dream." I don't see them making it on again. No, I don't because uh, of this track, but it's a great track. Should have been higher. It's a major track in that sort of bubblegum rockabilly movement. I love what I love about the track is it has this real dark quality to it with this sort of tricked out kind of surfer guitar in the background. It's all like tricked out and like wobbly and it's it's at a different tone than their harmonies, which makes it a bit a bit darker. It gives it this really like interesting sort of edge to it. Um, back to foundational stuff, like I said, which was a theme of this block for me. Uh, but yeah, no, a great song. I think it should be higher just because of its importance to uh, rock music. Uh, yeah, and I think I think you were saying it, it was higher. It just yeah. got, like, hammered. Yeah, in fact, there's one of the songs that dropped a lot. There's sort of two songs that dropped a lot. This one dropped from 141 at Jeez. one point. So, you know, and I think 141, um, I'm okay with that. You know, I think this was just, it just dropped a little more than it should have. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's a good, it's a great track, um, especially if you're looking at music historically. And then, like I said, that the harmonies and the guitar, how they play off with each other is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's true. I, I, I That's a great point. Uh, and I think the Everleys were always known for their harmonies. I mean, too. Yes. And I think that was a real strength that they had. Now you got. I was I was happy to see this this on here yeah yeah um it was uh jazz uh so it's a jazz song that's on here uh pure jazz song uh foundational jazz song in a lot of ways at 315 uh john coltrane makes it uh so i was really happy to see john coltrane make it uh acknowledgements the song which i'm a huge fan of that it's part of a suite called the love supreme so it's yep. the first part of this song um it's a, uh, you know, it's 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 just a powerful transcendent song is, is what I, I've said about this. And there's some there's some true gospel in this song as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's just it's to me, John Coltrane is he's absolutely one of you know the last hundred years. We want to say last 70 years. He, he's one of the greats, um, but he played in a genre that, you know, hasn't been as popular in the last 40 years, 40, 50 yeah. years. Uh, when John Coltrane was doing this, he was uh, quite popular. I mean, jazz was still quite popular and charting very well. Um, so I was, I kind of was trying to assess if this, where this came in at 315. Mm. Um, you know, if it's tough to say because you're giving jazz equal weighting to everything else, then if it is, then it's a little low. Yes. But it, it's, it's, you know, if you're kind of saying, if you're kind of throwing jazz a bone, then it seems like that's what Rolling Stone did here. You know, they threw jazz a bone here and get Coltrane on mm. the list. But it's, a, it's an influence. It's an impactful song. Uh, it's really good. I think we could see John and Miles. I mean, Miles definitely will turn up a couple more times. But I think they could both have a song in that sort of top 150, 200 area. Yeah. Um, maybe their last entry. But I think they could both because they're both like so well known. Uh, yeah. And maybe Dave Brubeck as well. They could all. If they're gonna do jazz, I think they could each have it one more track in it. Yeah. Um, I think Miles might have a few. 
but uh, but no, I was I was I was happy to see this on. I mean, it's probably one of his other than Blue Train and Love Supreme is probably one of his most well-known records, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. And this is like technically part of a Love Supreme. So yes. uh, but yeah, I would agree with on that. Uh, and this is kind of like the first part of that. And it's my favorite of that Love Supreme four part series that they have. Uh, but it was good to see something, you know, again, I think we're starting to see maybe some of the 60s stuff got pushed push back mm-hmm. a little more uh i haven't done a breakdown by the decade yet when we're done with the list i'm going to kind of do some analytics on this list and uh, you know talk about it how many 60s songs versus 70s songs and things like that i would think that the biggest droppers would be your late 60s early 70s because that's in historically has really dominated the list yeah um and as evidence is my next song yes which i think should be top 10 to top 15 and that is Neil uh, Young after the gold rush. I, wow. Yeah. Uh, definitely should have been higher. I agree. At, at 322. I think this is one of the best songs ever written. I love this song. I think. I don't. I mean, they're going to put. I mean, they're going to put other Neil Young songs higher because you can't have just like him stop in the 300s. Like, I think they're going to they're going to definitely have more. Um, But I think this is an extremely well written song. I mean, you have. You know, it has references to drugs, the rock and roll in general, which is a sort. Both themes are very uh, common ones for Young. He likes to sing about rock music and about drugs, um, and the environment. Some environmental stuff in there, being from the seventies. Um, amazing track. It's a, it's a good lesson for me. How less is more. It's pretty stripped back, unlike sort of his like crazy horse days, where it's far more. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. This is a bit more stripped back. You got a French horn in there. Uh, love it. Love this track. Should have been a lot higher. Um, was really surprised to see it this low. But there you go. After the go- I mean, I think he'd have stuff off a of harvest that's going to be higher. But uh, love this track. Um, I kind of immediately you said the words why I knew you had this song higher, and I, I knew you were going to pick this song. Um, it was the stripped down. This less is more kind of thing. I kind of said this is when I saw this on the list. Like Dave's picking this song. There's no yep, question about it. Is. Dave's got to say it should be much higher. Yeah. So uh, you know, it's an, it's you know that song's already uh, 52 years old. I mean, yeah, it's been around. Yes. So that one's held the test of time pretty well. But was yeah. it down? I couldn't find where it was beforehand. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm surprised too because his albums usually rate really high on their albums. You know, best album uh, lists, but uh, yeah, but yeah, there he is, three twenty-two. Yep, three twenty-two. Wow, I'm surprised that this next song of yours is down here as well. Yeah, um, and it dropped from like it was previously at number thirty-five on a previous list. <laughs> um, at least that's what I've been able to determine. It it, it came in at three ten. Uh, it's truly one of the iconic rock songs. Uh, that came out of the 60s. Uh, it's it's uh, The Doors Light My Fire. Mm. Um, I, you know, I just love this song. Right? It's more, there's a great, you know, a lot of instrumental work that makes that song. And, and you know, that's what it's known for. Those, those, you know, that guitar work and stuff that's in the second half of that song. But I love Morrison on the baritone vocals in this song. And mm-hmm. uh, it's just uh it's a song that, you know, it stands the test of time, this song. How it yeah. came in at three. This was one I was like, this was absolutely 
you know, like I said, I thought they did a better job with some of the placement, but this one was like really, I don't know how this dropped to 310. I don't um, know. Yeah, it's just a, uh, it's an iconic song. Uh, it's, uh, I was glad you didn't take this one because I wanted to, yeah. No. But, but this was, yeah, it, you know, uh, it was one of his later songs, I want to say too. Now, here's the thing that I'm going to throw out there because you know, LA Woman's going to be on here. That's going to be the other one, yeah. So, I mean, LA Woman by default is going to be higher. Like, how high does it go? Or do the doors just get, have they sort of lost their, their mojo, I guess? To me, this song and LA Woman, like a one and one A with yeah. the doors. So, the question is if LA Woman does it, does it make it or is it not much higher? Um, and then if it's much higher, why did why did this one drop? You know, that that's kind of like my question. Because uh, I can argue LA Woman's a little more impactful in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, and it's a different sound. This one, I, I understand it stood the test of time a little better, but but LA Woman hasn't kind of gone into the shadows either. No. So, yeah, that'll be really interesting um, to see where what what else charts, because, you know, they're going to get other songs higher. Yeah. Uh, so be that'll be very interesting. Yeah. My last one. Now, this artist we've seen already. Or I think he's been I think he's been on this. I think he's been on this even in the same block. I didn't double check, but it's the Stooges. I want to be your dog at 314. Mm, that was a good pick. Now, the reason I picked this, I'll get into later because there are other songs that are better, <laughs> but I didn't pick them because I just think that this album is really influential and I don't sure. think it's going to come up again. Yeah, I don't think so um, either. No, I, I want to be your dog. So this came out in 1969 and it was sort of a blueprint for 70s funk. You had Iggy Pop and the Stooges here. Uh, it's got this classic punk structure to it, like classic um, structure. It's it's very loud, very raw. Uh, Iggy Pop bursting out of the scene. This is a very influential album when we're looking at sort of like proto punk, I guess. Um so I think J.J. Kale has a cut of this record that he produced. I think I think it was J.J. Kale. Anyway, um, it's a great song. This album has kind of gotten a resurgence, I think, because of kind of the resurgence of sort of newer bands sort of throwing back to classic punk. This album has sort of gotten a, a second life. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to just give a shout out to the Stooges. I want to be your dog. Great track. That was a good track. 314. Yep. I, I mean, placement wise, I think it's fine. This is a deep, this is a deep cut. Uh, and I, I just, I just don't see it higher. Um, so I think this is, I think this is fine where it's placed. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you on that. I would say it's, I'm fine with 314. And your final one here, Coop. Yeah, I went a little out of the box with this one. Um, kind of mix it up. Uh, number three hundred four. It's Craftwork, the Trans Europe Express. Uh, a little high. I ain't gonna lie, mm -hmm. but this one was a little high. Um, you know, and I kind of wonder where Autobahn's gonna come. Autobahn is gonna be way up there, I reckon. Yeah, I mean, Craftwork. You know, they're they're that they're kind of the pioneers in that pure uh, electronic sound. Yeah, the Pet Shop yeah. Boys have an electronic sound, but it's not like this is more of a purest electronic sound. 
Um, so it's a solid song by Kraftwerk. I think has had a little bit of a resurgence in the last couple of years. I know, uh, you know, but they see that Kraftwerk's getting a little bit of a resurgence. People are starting to to really appreciate them a lot more. They got the Hall of Fame last year. Yeah, so they got they got in last year. Um, but again, I think 304, it's a solid song. If you like that electronic Kraftwerk sound, um, I think this is a good song. If, if you're not quite into that electronic sound, this is a good intro song, too, to kind of maybe see what Kraftwerk's about. Because it's not as heavy, maybe, as Autobahn is on the electronic side. So, uh, but a solid song. Uh, you know, I kind of, I guess I kind of think I'm driving down a European highway. You know, it's kind of like, the, yeah. kind of the theme of that. And, uh, you know, I, I think that song does that well. Uh, but three or four, I thought was a little high for it. This is something I would have thought maybe four or one to five hundred range for this song. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Autobahn is going to go quite high. I, I think um, so too. I mean, again, do you put this ahead of John Coltrane, Tears for Fears, uh, Billy Joel? Uh, that's where it gets hard. Yeah, that's where I kind of John Prine. Um, you know, Big Papa. Again, I kind of look at him like this is a little high. Uh, but not yeah. a bad song, but I'm not against the song. I just thought it was high. No, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think Autobahn will go quite high, but it was interesting to see that on there. Yeah. Um, so final thoughts, four final thoughts. How's your cigar doing there, Coop? Uh, really enjoying this cigar a lot. Um, you know, this is a what I love about this cigar. It's a very well-balanced cigar, and I'm smoking the, the, uh, the Protocol Elliott Ness Natural. Uh, you're getting a lot of good notes of these. Uh, there's kind of a creamy undertone to this cigar, which kind of keeps it really smooth. But you get a little bit of that black pepper bite that you'd expect from a, a Lazona cigar. Um, you know, but but uh, it's uh, it's got great, you know, again, if you're going to say natural tobacco, you, you're getting great natural tobacco flavors. No bitterness, clean. Construction's impeccable. You know, I usually have the air blowing here, and this thing's burning solid. Uh, it seems to get better with age, this cigar. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those things. I'm glad I put it on the list of 25 because they're smoking great. Uh, this is one regular production cigar by protocol. Uh, check it out. Yeah. My, uh, my long live the King. It's, I'm smoking it down. It, um, uh, it's very creamy. It's smooth. It had a bit of spice at the beginning that kind of goes away. It's not overly dry. There's a little bit of dryness, but I like it. Um, this is a great cigar. I think my favorite Vitola is the like, I think it's spicy jalapeno. Is it spicy jalapeno that's in this, uh, in this blend? I think this is the Vitola I like, but this is very good. Um, yeah, construction's great. Excellent cigar. So way to go, Robert. Yeah. You know, that's a, like I said, it's a Dominican, not pearl, but forward blend. So it's mostly yeah. Dominican. There's a lot of Corojo in this cigar. Um, and there's some Lajeros in there that I think really kind of amped this cigar up a bit. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it, I don't know. I, what I remember, that cigar builds up in strength as you smoke it from what I remember. It does, but it's quite smooth. So it's hard yeah, but to it, sort but of it notice. Smooth. It, it is very yeah. smooth. Yeah. Uh, it's just, this, I remember, you know, and I haven't smoked one of them in a couple of years. This is great. That, that is one of my favorite cigars that Caldwell's have done. Right. I would put this as, as good as any call. There's about, again, I use that Mount Rushmore analogy. This one's on the Mount Rushmore with me with call. Mm. I love that cigar. Uh, and that mm. size is the one that I think is perfect. Yeah. That's no, a good, it's a good, it's a good cigar. Yeah. Um, final thoughts. I thought 
it was tough. Now, here are the people I left off because I'm hoping that yeah. they'll go on again. So Grateful Dead was on there with Ripple. I had that. I took it off because I'm like, well, Grateful Dead yep. will be on there again. Um, the Clash was on there. I was sort I, of a deep cut. Yeah. But I know Clash is going to be again. So we'll have an opportunity to talk about that band. Uh, Aretha was on there for Chain of Fools, which is an incredible song. But like, I know Aretha is going to be on there again. Um, yeah. So I left that. Uh, I guess the ones that we did get to talk about that I left off were the Temptations uh, with Papa was a Rolling Stone, which is a very influential song. Came well, out. That's like an, uh, an L, a true L.A. song. You go into L.A. with that song and drive to L.A. neighborhoods. That's the song. Yeah. So but I, I didn't really talk. I'm hoping the Temptations make it again. I'm assuming they do. Um, and the other one that I'm I'm waiting on is Elvis. Well, Elvis had on one. Elvis had Heartbreak one. Hotel. Yeah, and you got to wonder what, uh, how high is Elvis going to peak on this thing? Mm. Yeah. So I left that off because I'm assuming we're going to be able to talk more Elvis later, especially like his more rockabilly stuff. Um, so those are sort of the like omissions I want to mention because I know people are like screaming, why didn't you have this or that? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, but otherwise... Um, like I said, the theme I saw with this one, and we're, we're constantly looking at the theme of rock getting lower, which I saw with, with the with um, with uh, Black Sabbath and stuff. Yeah. But we're seeing a lot more of the, these more foundational acts like coming out. So it'll be interesting to see if that continues. Yeah, no, or I, if, I agree. It'll be interesting to see if that continues or like are the foundation ones more relegated to this block and the next block and then they're gone or how high they go or anything like that. I, I agree. What are your you thoughts know, on this block, Coop? Um, you know, uh, I have a few questions I'll ask coming out of this block, but this was a tough one to just pick 10 songs with. I really yeah. did. I mean, I'm just going to rattle off a few that I kind of worked up on. Uh, the Zombies, Time of the Season, 349. Yep. Great psychedelic tune. Uh, Virginia Playing by Roxy Music uh, was one of the earliest songs. 348. You know, we mentioned Elvis Heartbreak Hotel 347. BTS Dynamite. Um, <laughs> I, I almost I, I thought you were going to pick this one. Actually, maybe I can't, I can't do BTS. But yeah. OK, but uh, I mean, I don't but I'm surprised. BTS Dave Stewart written song, by the way, of the Rhythmics. Oh, yeah. Uh, he That came in at 346. It was three. Not, yeah. Yeah. We mentioned Iron Man 344. Um. We mentioned uh, the Clash. Um, there was one other one I had. Uh, scrolling. You mentioned the you mentioned the Temptations, right? Yeah. Uh, Marvel, that's please, Mister Postman. Uh, I yes. think it's an important foundational song at sixty uh, three thirty one. So that, I think that was a key one to come in there. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers at three twenty eight uh, under the bridge. Mm, I, I just, yeah. Yeah. Mary J. Blige, Real Love at 327. Now, Mary, Mary, I'm part of the Blige Hive here. Mary, I, Mary's definitely going to be have more on, another one on higher. So, oh, that, I, so I, 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 I'm wondering if that's it. Oh, I'll well, say. I think it'd be, uh, you think, you think she would have, um, the name of the track escapes me. So I'm going to just look it up really quick. But I saw that. Um, and I'm like, there's gotta be, uh, 
a higher song. Family Affair. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, that could be. That could be. But I, I don't see much more past that. But I think Family Affair is going to be up there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were so many others. Dave, Iggy Pop, Lust for Life was 325. Mm-hmm. Um, Tupac, California Love at 320. I thought that was low. Yes. I thought that was very low for, for I that one. I agree with that. Uh, Bob Dylan, uh, I know we're going to talk about Bob Dylan, Visions of Guyana, 317. Mm. Uh, Shangri-La's Leader to the Pack, 316, foundational song. Yes. Um, you know, the, uh, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, Tears of a Clown at 313. Mm-hmm. Um, very deep song. That's a deeper song than people would give credit to. There's a lot with those lyrics you can interpret, which I, that's probably a whole show. Uh, yeah. Isaac Hayes, Walk On By at 312. Now, there's going to be more Isaac Hayes, I'd yeah. imagine. We didn't mention this. Eagles Hotel California 311. Yes, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I'm. Uh, what's the other? What, what's it, Desperado? Uh, Desperado. One of these nights. You know. Yeah. But, but I was man, wondering. Oh. If, yeah. <laughs> Don, I think Don Henley could have a few songs coming on here as a solo. I mean, Boys of Summer. I got to think it's going to come on here. Yes. I yeah. was surprised that Hotel California was so low, though, to be honest. That was very low. I thought that was a very low uh, placing by the Eagles on that one. Uh, yeah. Bill Wizards, Ain't No Sunshine, 309. Dave, mm. I almost picked. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this one I took off the list and I regret it. It This is kind of one that no one would expect, maybe. But it's a really good song. Liz Fair's Divorce Song. Yes. Liz now, Fair Liz- is good. Liz Fair is good. Yeah, I'm thinking that there's going to be one more Liz Fair. I'm not I, I, yeah. totally sure, but I'm hoping. Yeah. By the way, Liz Fair does a cover of the Banana Split song. The mm. Tra La La song, which is awesome. Awesome. Mm. He just kills it on that song. But yeah, I was glad. I almost, I, I almost put that one in there. Uh, Nalls Barkley, 307, crazy. Yes. Uh, you mentioned Aretha. Chain of Fools 306, way low. Way yeah, too low. low. That one. Too yeah. low. This one was too high. Every breath you take oh. by the police. Most overrated song. Of the, uh, and I love the police. I can't stand this song. <laughs> it's not a good song. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah, a ba- it's a guy's bass track, but that's about it. The song is, I can't. No. Yeah. So I wasn't going to put it on that. Uh, and then 302, Pink Floyd, Wish You Were Here. And. Mm. Bob Seger night moves 301. I thought that was a little high for Bob Seger. Yeah. I know people like that. that song. Yeah. So, the, but there was, a, there was so many of those I could have picked. Right. Um, so I have questions right now going into the, like, as we get into the top 300 right now, Ooh, here we and go. I mentioned, I mean, what songs is Prince going to have? When are we going to start seeing the footprint of the Beatles and the Rolling Stones? Because it really, yeah. they've been quiet uh, for these first, the, the bottom, the bottom 200, it's been quiet. Mm-hmm. So those are the ones uh, I have questions. Will the BGs place on this list? Oh, you another think so? Yeah, but I, I thought maybe I would have saw a BGs song by now. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of one I'm wondering about. You know, I'm wondering about like some newer bands with uh, newer artists over the last 25 years. Mm. Cheryl Crow is coming to mind. Mm. Um, Creed is coming to mind. Sarah this. McLaughlin. Sarah McLaughlin. Um, is another one that's a good one, actually. Um, Clapton, where's Clapton yeah. gonna come on this thing? Um, so there's a lot of artists that we have not really heard much from yet. 
No. It's going to be very interesting. I think it's going to get a lot more competitive. Like I said, this was the toughest one for me to just pick 10 because yes. it, was, it was so close. Uh, you know, if it was weak, I would have picked like every breath you take and just destroyed it. So, yes, right. Uh, yeah, no, it'll be, and it's going to get even closer. So it'll be really interesting moving, moving forward. Yep. Oh, but I'm loving, I'm loving this series. I'm loving it as we're going. It's, it's interesting to think about, well, what's coming up. That's why I really like going into these cold. Yeah. We, we, like I said, and look, if you're, if you're watching this live, um, I prefer no people don't peek at the list. We'll put the list out there so people can follow along, but, uh, just kind of, uh, you know, we don't spoil it for us with the comments is what I'm saying. Just if you could do that for a favor for us, we appreciate that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we're going to be, I mean, it's going to be, I think the most exciting part of this list is going to be actually 51 to 150. I think that's where yes. really we're going to see, see things, uh, start to get, uh, interesting with this. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Yep. I think the top 50 are going to be a little more predict. I don't, and we, we saw the top 10. I think we, you and I saw the top 10 on this. So, yeah, we saw the top 10 because we commented on it on the show when it well, came out. So we right, kind of know. Yeah, we, we commented on it and said, hey, let's do a show on this. And then we were just trying to figure a way to do the show. And then we said, hey, let's just break it up and give a lot of these songs some credit um, and kind of analyze it that way. So I think I, think, I, I hope the audience is following and having a lot of fun. Hope we Pete Johnson's, you know, thinking this ain't too long. No. Oh, broke it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But new music, Coop. Yes. Uh Let's mention our friends at Cigar Hustler, located in Deltona, Florida. Uh, visit their store. Um, you get uh, you get great customer service, great place to smoke your cigar, and a really good humidor. Uh, they feature everything from boutiques to some of your tried and true brands. Uh, they carry they have their own brand, the Postani cigars, as well as some of their limited editions that they're coming out with. Uh, if you can't get to the store, uh, go to CigarHustler.com. Get on their email list. Um, you'll know first about the latest releases when they put them up on the website and some of them go pretty quickly. Uh, I know a lot of folks like the Pravada releases and if you want Pravada releases, the LCA releases go on their list. You'll, you'll get them. And they usually put like, it usually comes out at midnight sometimes. So, uh, you may want to be a night bird if you know something's coming up. Mm. Um, and of course, check out the, uh, a cigar hustlers podcast. Um, where uh, Mike, Mike and Mike Palmer, uh, Mike Hustler, Hustler Mike, because I'm not going to say his last mm. name, and Mike Palmer, <laughs> they, they, they do their unique spin on the cigar industry. I think like nobody else does. Uh, mm. So uh, good, good job. I think they named Skip Man of the Year. I saw, something, I saw Palmer put up a post. I, <sighs> I, was, I wasn't surprised by, not that Skip doesn't deserve it, but uh, I, I wasn't surprised by that vote by them. No. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. All right. So, Dave, what do you got new music wise this week? What do I got? I have new music wise. I got a couple a couple tracks that are out. Um, side A, we have Earl Sweatshirt with 2010. That's off of his new album, Sick. Now, Earl Sweatshirt is a hip hop artist that was yep. in a collective with uh, Tyler, the creator. He, um, I really like his stuff. Uh, and it's exciting that he has a new record out. I think it came out like at the tail end of 2021, um, beginning of 2022, something like that, like kind of late 2021. Um, it has a really trippy synth beat to it. I really like this track. So that's 2010 by Earl Sweatshirt. 
And then we got side B is FKA Twigs. Now, FKA Twigs had an album out a couple years ago that just took the world by storm. Um, and this is another album. So you got FKA Twigs is featuring The Weeknd. And The Weeknd himself has a new album out. Yes, The Weeknd. Uh, yep. So The Weeknd, I think it's called Dawn or something. Uh, he has a new album out. But this is a track called Tears in the Club. Uh, it's off FKA Twigs record. Um, compare songs. And lots of post-production work on this track, especially on the vocals, lots of vocal effects. Uh, great dance track, I think. Great club yep. track. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, so FK Twigs is out. I think I think this this album will get a lot of play this year, um, much like the previous album. So you you'll be sure to see the song around. I think. An album album archaeology coop. Yes. Uh, now we talked about this album a lot when we did the Don, John Prine show. Yep. Um, but since we had. Angel from Montgomery on, you might as well listen to this album. It's his uh, self-titled album, John Prine. Um, amazing record. We touched, it has the Angel Montgomery, which is on this list. Illegal Smile, which is another great song. Paradise, which I think may still turn up on the list. Uh, and a deep cut that I like is Your Flag Decal Won't Get You Into Heaven Anymore. <laughs> is a track I like. Uh, it's, it's sort of a classic folk country record. Storytelling, it, yeah. Really storytelling. Good. Like you could see a lot of Dylan in this record. John Prine himself played with Dylan uh, at shows. Um, Dylan really liked John Prine. You could see how Bruce Springsteen took a lot out of John Prine with this record. Mm -hmm. um, it's an excellent record that I think we'll see another track off this record make the list being Paradise is my guess. Yeah, I, I could see it. But it's a great record, so you should be sure to, be sure to check that one out. Very good, Dave. Um, actually, I want to mention one thing I didn't mention in the news. Um, mm. uh, Grammys were rescheduled, by the way. April 3rd, moving to Las Vegas. I saw that. Yep, so the Grammys are moving. Uh, they, like I was saying on the last show, there was an issue with um, scheduling in, in L.A. Uh, I think they did the right thing postponing it, by the way. I know people will say no, but it looks like some of the Omicron stuff starting to kind of turn the corner, so... Uh, let, you know, as much as we hate the Grammys, uh, mm -hmm. let me get this. I want to see some really good collaborations at the ceremony. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that. Um, so I guess that's what they're banking on, right? They're banking on numbers, cases going down, that sort of thing. By yeah. April. Yeah. And Las Vegas is, you know, basically, I think a little less restrictive than California, too. So it's probably a little safer. I mean, they could have pushed it out till June and it would be too late, I think, too. You don't want to do that after Memorial Day. It would have been like tough. So, yeah, uh, but the way the arena worked is those teams have priority scheduling and they three teams that play in that arena uh, mm. that, that all could make the playoffs this year. So the Kings, the, the Clippers and the Lakers. So so it's kind of tough that I kind of understand the move to Vegas uh, MGM. Yeah. Uh, great. By the way, MGM is a great venue, uh, I think, for the Grammys. I've, I've been there a few times. So uh, that will be that. Uh, but, yeah, so I mentioned that. All right. I think we're done, Dave. Unless there's anything yeah, else. Um, that's it. Yeah. Well, stay tuned to our, uh, you know, we'll announce what the next show is um, and when it's going to be. Uh, but stay tuned on that. Dave, thank you very much. Thanks to thank our audience. Thank you, audi Coop. Great yep. show. Yep. Great show. Thanks to our audience. 
Uh, that's going to wrap up primetime jukebox into the annals of history for this mid uh, January edition. Uh, stay tuned. We'll see everybody next time.